Heavenly Father, I pray that you would look upon your humble servant. I pray that you would think with my mind, speak with my tongue the things that you have for us. I pray that we will have open ears, open eyes, open minds, open hearts to receive your word applied to our lives. That we can have a closer walk with you. Oh, we love you. And we thank you. And we give you all the praise for everything that you do. Thank you right now in Jesus' name as we hear your word. We do ask and pray. Amen. Amen. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. It's in your Bible, it's in your smartphone, it's in your tablet, whatever device you might be using. I'm going to be reading this from the King James Version and the uh, New American Standard Bible. King James Version says these words. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. New American Standard Bible of Matthew 5, 44 and 45 says this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord here in the sanctuary. I want to talk from the subject today. A commandment from the king. A commandment from the king. I've discovered in these 61 years that the Lord has blessed me to be on this earth. That the three most hardest words in the English vocabulary for any of us to deal with is the word, love your enemies. <laughs> 
All right, so I won't speak for everybody. But I'm still struggling with loving my enemies. Amen. I said it on social media, didn't I? I'm just letting you know that I'm a man. Amen. But somebody's saying, well, Pastor, you're supposed to be God's man. I am God's man. That's right. And I got an anointing. Amen. Okay? But as God's man, I got to deal with flesh. Yeah, that's right. And the flesh rises every day. Every day. Okay? And don't tell me, don't you tell me that your flesh don't rise. Because it does. The flesh will make you do stuff you thought you would have never done. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Okay, the, 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 if the flesh rises like this, yeah, I like that. That just preached. Uh, 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 and, and when somebody does something to you, it's in our nature to react. Love your enemy. Challenge to humanity. It has never been easy to turn the other cheek. Because let's face it, a slap is a slap. That's right. That's right. And its instinctive response is a reciprocal slap. Uh huh. <laughs> because we're programmed to bite back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we have all been bitten by an enemy. And sometimes. That enemy is a temporary one. A friend who loses his cool with you. A family member who takes the wrong side. A driver who, well, anyway. Because I know sometimes when I'm in the car and a driver does something to me, I'm ready to say some other words. <laughs> Those types of enemies we can handle because their expressions of hatred or shall I say dislike are often only temporary. We can handle the little stuff. It's the big stuff that presents us a problem. You know, the waiter who always sits you at the back of the restaurant, your employer who consistently bypasses your qualifications for a promotion, Amen. Amen. the real estate broker who always takes you into the bad neighborhood, our local, state, and federal governments who calculatingly find ways to keep us in our place, if y'all know what I'm talking Amen. about. Amen. Those are the greater love challenges. And there have been a few who have mastered this level of love. Mahatma Gandhi. Bishop Desmond Tutu. And need I say, 
my hero, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Amen. These guys did not write the playbook on love, but they tried their best to master it. Love is the greatest gift you can bestow on those who love, but also on those who hate you, especially those who hate you without a cause. Because, you know, there's some folks who just hate you because they just want to hate you. I mean, exactly, they ain't got nothing else to do. The playbook's author is Jesus Christ himself. On, on the mountain called Calvary, Jesus expressed the greatest love of all when he declared, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. His selfless expression of love on Calvary was not to humiliate us Amen. but to win us over. Yes. Jesus knew that the aftermath of violence is bitterness. That's right. So he turned his aftermath into reconciliation. Yes. His forgiveness was the door to our redemption. Amen. Those who followed him have done the same. Mahatma Gandhi used love and won over India. Desmond Tutu used love and won over South Africa. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used love and won over the world's most powerful government. Love, my brothers and sisters, is Jesus' command to us all. No other method can be deployed with the same result. This is the commandment from our king. Yes. And this was not Dr. King's commission. And I'm, I'm sorry, it was Dr. King's commission. Yes. What is this strange power that overcomes enemies without weaponry? We simply call it love. But you know what? I have discovered in these 61 years that love is complex. Love is difficult. Love is misunderstood. Do I have any witnesses here that know what I'm talking about? The Greeks had three words to describe love. The first one is called Eros, E-R-O-S, Eros love. That's uh, romantic love. All right? That's supposed to be between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible tells us, that it's supposed to be between a man and a woman, husband and a wife. That is the one we are all so willing to embrace. Not so much for what we give, but for what we can get. You know, because let's be honest. We want the intimacy. We want the familiarity. We want the closeness. 
and we want the tenderness. Eros love is not a permanent love because it is based on reciprocity. Uh It only lasts as long as its affections are returned. Love that is not returned cannot last. Obviously, when we talk about loving those who hate us, we are not talking about Eros love. Then there is another love which is called the Philea love. P-H-I-L-I-A. That is the sort of reciprocal love between friends. We call it brotherly love. Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. That is the love you have for your homeboy, for your homegirl, for your neighbors, for your co-workers, for your friends. That love, as well as the arrow's love, is based on reciprocity. Uh, One of my colleagues from Florida calls it mutual respect. You love your friends as long as they show up when you need them. You love your co-workers as long as they do not mock you behind your back. You love your neighbors as long as they don't throw trash in your yard, blow your leaves onto your lawn, or have an all-night party and don't invite you. Obviously, when we talk about loving those who hate us, we're not talking about this filial love either. So neither Eros love nor the filial love have the power to overcome hate. But then finally, the third one is what we call agape love. A-G-A-P-E. Agape love breeds understanding and redemptive good for all humanity. It is the love of God working in the minds of men. Dr. King says, and I quote him, when you come to love on this level, you begin to love men not because they are likable, not because they do things that attract us, but simply because God loves them. Agape love gives us the power to love people who commit an evil deed. All right, let me say that again. The agape love gives us the power to love a person who commits an evil deed. You do not need, you do not love the deed, but you love the person who committed the deed. It is an in spite of kind of love. Agape is the love you have for your child, even though that child is out of line and out of order. Mm-hmm. You know, because some of us have children that are out of order. Amen. Or we've had children that have been out of order. Amen. Agape love is the love you have for your neighbor, even though he talks about you behind your back. Agape love is the love you have for your country, 
even though your country treats you like a second class citizen. Non-believers say there is a power at work in the universe that bends the heart toward love. Now if that's true, then their power needs a boost. Because too often it appears to be on life support. What the world needs is a new perspective on love. The Middle East could use some agape love. Amen. Russia could use some agape love. The Mexicans could use some agape love. Israel could use some agape love. Congress, which is the House of Representatives and the Senate, could use some agape love. The the judicial system could use some agape love. Talk about it. The White House still needs some agape love. The church needs some more agape love. In other words, what I'm saying, truthfully, we can all use some agape love. Dr. King's prayer, as we celebrate him on tomorrow, Dr. King's prayer was that people all over the world would struggle against evil systems uh, uh, with love and understanding in their hearts. But Dr. King knew that could only be achieved through God's love. That agape love. Agape love covers our rough spots. It makes the rough places plain. It hollows out our bitter hearts and fills them with the fruit of God's spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and uh, self-control. It is not normal to love your enemies. It is not normal to find peace in the midst of turmoil. It is not normal to look for the good in someone who is evil. Some would just call that being maladjusted. But Dr. King had something to say about that. He called on all of us to be maladjusted. As maladjusted as the prophet named Amos, who in the midst of injustice cried out in Amos 5 and 2, let justice run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Uh, We need to be as maladjusted as Abraham Lincoln, who had the vision to see that a nation could not live half slave and half free. Amen. We need to be maladjusted just as Jesus of Nazareth, who dreamed of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of mankind. Yeah. Dr. King said we all need to be a bit maladjusted if we're going to change our world and our civilization. My brothers and sisters, the world in which we live is bleak and desolate. And it's a place for far 
to many that has been like this. All of our turmoil points to the same problem. Man's inhumanity to man. And that is nothing more than the lack of agape love. We need to pick up the king's command where the king left off. And I'm not talking about Dr. Martin King. I'm talking about King Jesus. Jesus tells us to stop living like this is Greek to us. That's right. The world in which we live in will wear you out. The world in which we live in will make you sick. The world in which we live in will rob you poor. The world in which we live in will cause us heartache. The world in which we live in will pull us down. The world in which we live in will drive us crazy. And the world in which we live in will lead us astray. But I'm here to tell you this morning on today that Jesus has a better plan. With our plan, our cake can turn, can turn into crumbs. But if we follow the king's command, you will find that he that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. You can find that in Proverbs 22 and 9. With our plan, dreams can turn into nightmares. But if you follow the king's command, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 and 19 that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Do I have a witness today? With our plan, our aspirations can turn into ashes. But if we follow the king's command, you will have beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Isaiah tells us that in Isaiah 61 and 3. With our plan, our happiness can turn into sorrow. But if you follow the king's command, John tells us in John 16 and 20 that your sorrow shall be turned into joy. With our plan, our freedom can turn into bondage. But I heard Jesus say in John 8 and 36, but if you take his plan, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I'm here to tell us today that we've got a charge to keep. The songwriter said a charge to keep I have. A God to glorify. A never-fitting soul to save. Who shot and came to die. My God, today, my brothers and sisters, we need to follow the King's commandment. And that commandment is to love one another. Or we got to love one another. Now, hallelujah. And our prayer ought to be is to ask God to help us in our love. We need to ask God to help us in our journey. We need to ask the Lord to sanctify our tongue. We need to ask the Lord to purify our motives. 
We need to ask the Lord to satisfy our thoughts. We need to ask the Lord to desensitize our hearts. We need to ask the Lord to correct our judgment and to give us an agape heart and teach us how to follow the King's commandment. I'm glad today. I tell you, I'm glad today that I'm following with the best of my help and with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying my best to follow the King's commandment. I want to love everybody. Although it's hard, I'm going to love everybody because that's what Jesus tells us to do. And if Jesus tells us to do it, that means we ought to try our best to do it as well. Do I have a witness today? Do I have a witness in the house? Thank God for the legacy that he has left behind. 